We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome to Picks for Pace, a Chicago Bears draft podcast presented by the Bear Report. My name is Andrew Freeman, and I'm joined by my co-host, Alex Bluffin. Alex, how are we doing today? I'm doing great. Ready to talk football. Yeah, here we go. And this is a pretty big episode for us. This is going to be the first of what we hope to be a few mock draft episodes uh, during this offseason period. We are recording this episode on the Wednesday after the Senior Bowl. Uh, we are a few days away from the actual Super Bowl in the NFL, which we previewed in our last episode, which you can check out there. Uh, that means this Sunday will feature the last football game of actual meaningful football for the next nine months or so. And with that comes along a very exciting off-season period culminating with the NFL draft late in April. So for today's, today's episode, like I mentioned, we are going to go through our first Chicago Bears mock draft of the off-season period, uh, all seven rounds, um, all the draft picks that the Bears have during this uh, NFL draft. As the off-season progresses, team needs will, of course, change, and our thoughts on these process, on these prospects, I should say, will change as well, which means that this is the first of a few mock drafts that we will be doing during this off-season. As of right now, we expect to do another one during or following the NFL Combine, and, of course, the last one will be right before the actual NFL draft in April. So stay tuned throughout this offseason and we will keep you Bears fans and draft enthusiasts up to date on these mock drafts, when they'll be, when they'll, we will drop them, as well as other content that we will be producing in regards to keeping up with the Bears and the NFL draft throughout the draft process here at Picks for Pace. And speaking of keeping up to date with the Chicago Bears this offseason, that leads into today's sponsor, The Athletic, a subscription-based sports news site for diehard fans. Looking for stories that go beyond just what you see on Sundays and in the box score Bears fans, The Athletic may just be the thing for you, offering unique original content that focuses on up-to-date advanced analysis, 
for your favorite teams. By subscribing to The Athletic, you can customize and choose the content that you care about, gaining full access to all of your favorite sports, teams, cities, and writers. Speaking of writers, The Athletic features an all-star panel of some of the best journalists from around the country, including Chicago's Adam Johns, along with natural, national sports writers such as Jay Glazer, Michael Lombardi, and Lindsey Jones. The best part? The Athletic comes without any advertisements, pop-ups, or autoplay videos. No advertisements, no clickbait, just exceptional sports content for fans. Ready to get started? Visit www.theathletic.com slash overtime to get 40% off your yearly subscription. That's theathletic.com slash overtime, all lowercase, to get 40% off your yearly subscription. And you can also download the Athletic app on your smartphone. And with that, now we'll uh, transition to the meat of this episode, which is our mock drafts. Um, so going over some guidelines for our mock drafts, what we did was no trades in this first mock draft. We might do that a little bit later, incorporate that a little bit into future mock drafts. Um, but the draft boards and selections that we use in this mock draft are all based on a mix of our own personal opinions and as well as draft sites in which we did our mock draft simulations on. Uh, we both used the Draft Network's mock draft simulator and then made selections based on our views of best available picks at that time of the selection. Um, Alex, I'll start with you. Uh, we have the first pick is the second round pick for the Bears at the 43rd selection. Um, who did you select and who was available for you with this pick? Yeah, um, just to kind of add some a little additional guidelines that I put in. So um, I do believe their rankings are not exact. So mm -hmm. I did ignore multiple players who I felt even though they would be the best pick, I thought it would be unrealistic for them to drop to us in these spots. The way I analyzed these picks was I threw my top three players for each of these picks. I did best player available, my favorite prospect, and then a prospect that I thought would be the, the best fit for the Bears. And then I picked between those three. So starting off at a pick number 43, I had the best player available as Raekwon Davis, my favorite was Tyler Biotish, and my fit was A.J. Terrell. And so uh, Raekwon Davis, he's a defensive end from Bama. He's massive, 6'7", 310. Um, he can just stuff the run just by the massive size that he has, but also he has the speed to be an impact pass rusher. So I think it would be a lot of fun to watch a front of him, Hicks, and Goldman. Uh, next up was my favorite, Tyler Biotish. Um, I was shocked to see him available in the second round. Um, he did underperform this year, but I still think he was the number one center in college football. And while center isn't the sexiest position, we noticed this year that it has quite the impact on the team. And it would be awesome to watch uh, an interior offensive line of James Daniels, Tyler Biotish, and uh, Cody Whitehair. But in the end, I ended up going with A.J. Terrell. Uh, the Bears just signed uh, Roberson last night, but getting cornerbacked up is nothing I'll ever pass up. Um, uh, he is, a, I think, a first-round draft prospect, but also it's been a trend in recent years for non-elite but great corners to drop into the second round. Uh, we witnessed that with multiple cornerbacks last year, and I have him as my corner number four in the draft, and it would just be great to have that 
plug and play cornerback two with cornerback one upside. So I think that would be a great take for the Bears with pick number 43. Yeah, cornerback is a huge need for the Bears in this offseason. Obviously, you don't know what the future holds for Prince Nukamara. He is probably going to be a cap casualty at this point. So AJ Terrell, even though he had a rough game in the national championship game against LSU, I mean, if you throw out that game, he had a fantastic year this past season. Uh, he's very high up on my board as well. I think he's a first-round talent. I think that would be a great add uh, for the Bears in the secondary to bring in some competition there at the cornerback spot. But I decided to go in a little bit of a different direction. Um, instead of going with cornerback, I went with the wide receiver here, Jalen Ragor, wide receiver out of TCU. And when I looked at the board at that time and some of the other players available, I had – Another cornerback on my radar and Jeff Gladney, cornerback from TCU as well. Um, a bigger, more physical type of cornerback that can that has really nice athletic traits as well. And then some other players on the board, J.K. Dobbins, running back from Ohio State. And obviously that was an obvious pass for me because the Bears just uh, put in a third-round pick and traded up to get David Montgomery in last year's draft. I didn't feel like running back was that big of a knee whatsoever to go up and get a guy like J.K. Dobbins, even though he was up there in terms of best players on the board for me. And then Austin Jackson off to tackle from USC. Um, you know, I like Jackson, but, you know, I feel like J Jalen Rager's talents was just a little bit too much to pass up on here. And some of the other players available, there were some edge guys that I really liked at this point, Curtis Weaver, Joshua Uche, Jonathan Greenard and Daryl Taylor, but I felt like I could wait and get one of those guys with the second second round pick that the Bears had at 50, as well as some tight ends that were available, such as Bryson Hopkins, who might go in the first round, Cole Komet, who might go in the first round, and Hunter Bryant. But ultimately, I decided to go with Rager here because he's a dynamic vertical playmaker, which this offense desperately needs. Um, this is a very fast and explosive receiving core, but he might be the fastest of these guys in this draft. It's up there with Henry Ruggs out of Alabama for fastest player in this draft class. He's a dynamic athlete in space, and he would just add another vertical dimension to this offense that just did not have that this past year. Uh, we were expecting Taylor Gabriel to kind of fill that role in this offense over the past few years, and while he showed some things in 2018, that element wasn't there this past year. So adding a guy like Rager who can take the top off of the defense is a big plus. Um, the big thing with Rager is that his hands are a little bit inconsistent. Um, he needs to work on catching with this consistency, working on uh, not being a body catcher necessarily and getting those hands actually out there um, when the pass is coming his way. But once he does get the ball in his hands, he's very shifty. He's very explosive, like I've mentioned. can make defenders miss in space and score a touchdown anytime he touches the ball, really. And while he had a limited route tree at TCU, he has that physical profile that you want um, where you feel like you can project him to improve as a route runner as time goes by. So he might not be a huge contributor in year one in terms of being a number two wide receiver next to Allen Robinson, but he can kind of fill that Tyreek Hill role that he had early in his career with the Chiefs where he was used more as a gadget player, as a situational player, and as a guy that the Bears would go to every time they needed a big play in the offense. Um, I chose him because he was the best player available. He's a first-round talent, and – I just really love the explosiveness and the talent that he would bring to this Bears offense that desperately needs more explosive plays in 2020. And with that, we go to the second selection in the second round with the 50th pick in the draft. And that's where I went uh, to my edge. Now, in terms of players that were available still, 
I looked at other positions as well, like Cole Komet and Hunter Bryant were still on the board at tight end. But I think we've talked about in the past where tight end's a position that it takes a while to adapt to the NFL game. So I didn't want someone that wasn't going to contribute right away in 2020 potentially. And some other guys on the board that I liked, Jalen Johnson, cornerback from Utah. He's your prototypical press corner, big, physical, can get up on the line of scrimmage and absolutely bully some wide receivers at the line of scrimmage. He would be a perfect replacement for Prince of Mucamara because Kyle Fuller, while he likes to play a lot of off coverage and kind of bait quarterbacks and throwing uh, some contested balls in his area, Prince of Mucamara loves to get up and get physical at the line of scrimmage against wide receivers and kind of enforce his will on them throughout the course of a play. But I decided to go in a different direction here because the edge position, the outside linebacker position for the Bears, it was something that I felt like the Bears would need to address on the second round in the day two spot of the draft because day two is really the sweet spot in this draft in terms of edge players that will be going here. There's not a lot of top-end guys besides Chase Young in this draft, but once you get past the third and fourth round, that's when the talent kind of takes a big dip in terms of um, – edge talent there. So I decided to go with one of my favorite players in terms of this edge class, Joshua Uche, outside linebacker out of Michigan. This is a guy that had seven and a half sacks last season with Michigan, 10 and a half tackles for loss, 33 tackles. If you follow me on Twitter whatsoever, you know that Uche is one of my favorite prospects in this edge class. He had a standout week at the Senior Bowl, culminating in a game where he was incredibly disruptive. I think he only had a half sack in that one, but he was in the backfield on literally every single play. He's very athletic, very explosive off the edge. He kind of has that quick twitch athleticism where he can kind of just do anything you want from an edge player. He can bend when he gets off the edge. He's got that versatility to drop back into coverage. And I kind of made this point in you know a tweet that I sent out on Twitter a few days ago after the Senior Bowl, where I kind of pointed out how you know, he's kind of everything that we thought Floyd was going to be coming out of Georgia in 2016 in that draft in terms of having that explosiveness, having that ability to take the corner and get to the quarterback. Um, but, he, he, you know, he actually displays that as a pass rusher on a consistent basis, which is something that Floyd has struggled with throughout his career. I think he'd be a great complement to Khalil Mack in terms of Khalil Mack is that power rusher who can win with speed at times, while Uche is that speed rusher that can win with power at times because even though he's not the biggest guy at six foot one, 250 pounds, that low center of gravity combined with pretty decently long arms for that size allows him to get under offensive tackles, uh, really get his full momentum when he gets ahead of steam going and really push his way into the pocket combined with some of the other moves that he can use as a speed rusher. So, I liked Uche there. I thought he'd be a great fit, and he would add a lot of juice to the uh, pass rush with the Bears, which the Bears desperately needed last year because outside of Khalil Mack, they really just did not have anybody that could get after the quarterback last year. Yeah. Um, me and you are thinking on uh, very similar wavelengths because when we come over to my uh, second, second-round pick, pick number 50 overall, um, out of my three players that I have to watch, you already spoke about two of them, uh, one of them being Jalen Rieger, who you took earlier. And I would say the first word that comes to mind when I talk about Jalen is electric. And that's something that plays in the NFL. He could really fit in on the slot and spread the field for us. And I think he'd be, a, he'd be an impressive weapon that Nagy would be able to take advantage of. Um, another guy on my list, he was listed as my fit, was uh, Curtis Weaver. He's an edge out of Boise State. He's an awesome fit. I think he's uh, similar as a – would be a good complement to uh, Khalil Mack. Hopefully we can 
I don't know. Leonard Floyd isn't the guy that we've hoped mm-hmm. he's been. He's been an extreme letdown. And honestly, he might be a cap casualty this year. We may either trade him or cut him purely for cap space to address edge in uh, other ways. So I think Curtis Weaver could be a day one starter, but ideally he would be our outside linebacker number three and create a good pass rush for us. But in the end, I ended up going with uh, Tyler Biotish out of Wisconsin. He was shockingly still on the board. I passed him up for Terrell earlier just because I thought that uh, a dominant corner would make a bigger impact day one. But having uh, Biotish, I think he could be the, the captain of the offensive line for years to come. And it'd be fun to watch him, Daniels, and Whitehair really just three players that are capable of playing center. I feel like the communication would be off the charts and it it would just be, it's an improvement that we need on our offensive line. And that's for sure. Yeah. I like the addition of Biotish there. Uh, Like you mentioned, you know, Cody White here, he's not a natural center per se. And Daniel certainly had his struggles at the center position last year. So, you know, the bears have a big need at right guard specifically, but if Biotish can kind of come in there as the center kick white hair or Daniels to that right guard spot uh, you have a nice trio of offensive linemen in the in the interior of the offensive line there all three young uh, and all three you know really approaching the primes of their careers at the same points of time which would be you know very good for longevity's sake yeah and then that's gonna bring me to my fifth round pick pick number 145 uh, my best player available here was Antonio Gandy Golden and uh, you touched on this earlier, but this wide receiver class is impeccable. And I will be extremely disappointed. Even though wide receiver isn't the biggest need, I'd be extremely disappointed if the Bears leave this draft without taking a wide receiver. At almost all points in the draft outside of the first round, the best player available is likely going to be a wide receiver. And taking a guy like uh, Antonio Gandy Golden, who's six four, he had back-to-back 10 touchdown seasons over two years. He combined for over 2,400 receiving yards. That's just a guy you want on your 53-man roster. Um, he'd be a day-one contributor in a Javon Wims-type role with uh, a higher ceiling to become a better player in the future. Uh, my fit I had was Lavert Hill. He's a, He profiles as a slot corner. Kind of reminds me a little bit of Desmond King, even though Desmond King played uh, safety in college. He's one of those guys who he'll never be a defensive pro bowler, but he has the skills and he has the ability to last in the NFL for at least five years. And in a fifth-round pick, you honestly, you can't ask for anything more. But in the end, I'm going to have to go with my favorite. It's another week, and it's another time you guys have to talk about my guy, Adam Troutman, <laughs> uh, tight end from Dayton. He's just easy to fall in love with. I'm a, I'm a Big Ten football guy, so I love big physical players, and that's what Troutman is. He has the athleticism. He can really overpower players, but he still, he still goes out there and makes them some flashy plays that are fun to watch, and I think he has great upside, and he can contribute day one as well. Yeah, I'm actually surprised that Troutman made it that far uh, in that mock draft there. Uh, he's he's a guy that's quickly rising up draft boards. And, you know, I agree. He's one of my favorite players to watch, too. Uh, I would, you know, be ecstatic if the Bears had the chance to draft him at any point, whether it be on day two of the NFL draft or even if he does fall to the fifth round. 
uh, like in this scenario. Um, also, for those wondering, the Bears, we do not have the fourth round pick that would be coming through the compensatory pick because it is not made official yet. So their next pick would be the fifth round pick at 145. Um, but getting back on track here, you know, I kind of went in the similar mold in that you kind of went with your big draft crush in, um, you know, Troutman from what we discussed last week before the Senior Bowl. Well, I had to go with my draft crush with the 145th pick here as well with the Keen Davis-Geither linebacker out of Appalachian State. And when I look at some of the other players on the board here, Michael Pittman was very high up on my board, wide receiver out of USC. But I didn't want to go in that direction because I felt like he was a bit repetitive with a guy like Allen Robinson, two bigger, more physical wide receivers. And also, I just picked Jalen Rager with the second round. So I've already got a wide receiver the wide receiver position for the Bears, I think, is already pretty much set, like you kind of alluded to earlier. So there wasn't really a need to go with, uh, you know, kind of double dip at that spot. Uh, some other guys on the board, Devon Hamilton, defensive lineman from Ohio State. Uh, he was a guy that, you know, would be a very good run stopper behind a guy like Akeem Hicks and Eddie Goldman in the middle of that defensive line. Um, you know, he's got also has some upside as a pass rusher as well. He, he was used more as a situational player at Ohio State because they had just had so much talent on that defensive line, but he's a guy I'm very high on. And he was actually a guy that held his own fairly, fairly well and actually uh, outplayed to a degree uh, Biotish against Wisconsin when they played them earlier this season. So Hamilton is a guy that I really love as a, as a run stopper in this class. Um, and then one more guy on the board that I was thinking about picking at first, but then I decided to go against that. It was a guy we talked about last week, Antonio Gibson running back out of Memphis, um, you know, another explosive playmaker like Rager who can uh, either play running back or wide receiver, be that punt returner or kick returner for you. But ultimately, uh, he was very similar to what I got from Rager. So I decided to go in a different direction here and go with my one of my favorite players in this class, which is Davis Geither. 101 tackles last year, 14 and a half tackles for loss. Uh, you know, stuff in the statute really with five sacks, eight pass deflections, interception. Uh, there's no way I could pass on him after talking him up last week. Um, you know, he, I'm very surprised he made it to the fifth round in this mock draft. I expect him to go on day two when it's all said and done, but uh, there was just too much value to pass up here. And I think he would add a lot of speed to the linebacker room, especially if he stayed there because he does have the versatility to play strong safety as well next to an Eddie Jackson, which is what the Bears definitely need from that spot. Um, you know, Ha Clinton Dix was a good addition to this team last year in free agency, but, you know, he really minimized Eddie Jackson's ability to make plays on the ball as that deep safety in the cover one man or cover three zone um, just wasn't the greatest fit there. And I think Akeem Davis Gaither would be a very good fit in that situation, I think. Yeah. And now uh, before we move on and, start tech talking about the next pick and round of the draft i think it would be important to just get a quick word in from our sponsors the old west is an iconic period of american history i'm chris wimmer join me on the legends of the old west podcast to hear the true stories of lawmen like wyatt earp bass reeves and the texas rangers outlaws like jesse james and butch and sundance and native american battles of the lakota comanche and apache we use cinematic storytelling and sound design to bring these stories and many more to life. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now. 
And we're back here at Picks for Pace doing our first mock draft of the offseason period. We covered two second-round picks for the Bears and the, their fifth-round pick selection in this draft. And we're going to finish up here going with the sixth and seventh-round picks. They have four picks overall uh, according to the draft picks that they have right now. They could change based off of trades or uh, any other crazy stuff going on when draft day officially comes around in late April. But as of right now, they have two sixth-round picks and two seventh-round picks. And I'm going to start with you, Alex, on what your sixth-round pick was uh, based off of who's available at that point in the draft. Yeah, well, actually, at pick number 145, I had Antonio Gandy-Golden as the best player available. 31 picks later, at pick number 176, he was still around. So he was my best player available back-to-back times. I got to take him. Um, I mean, my player comparison for him is Laquan Treadwell, which isn't very uh, beneficial. It kind of scares me a little bit because mm-hmm. Laquan Treadwell was a massive bust for the Vikings. But you also have to remember that he got drafted in the first round. He was a talented college player. That's what Gandy Golden is while he was playing at Liberty for the Golden Flashes. So. He wasn't out physicaling the top-tier athletes that Treadwell was in college, but he's still a physical specimen, and he's an extremely talented receiver, so I would use my pick on him. Uh, two other guys I looked at were uh, one of my fits. It was Lavert Hill out of Michigan. Again, um, I love him, but after I already drafted, drafted Terrell with our first pick and yesterday we signed Trey Robertson out of the CFL figured that uh, corner wasn't as big of a need as it was before so I passed on him for now and then uh, my favorite was Brandon Mann uh, punter out of A&M I know I'm a special teams guy but if positions didn't matter Mann would be a first round pick but positions do matter so that's why you won't sniff the first five rounds but Thing to consider, a uh, man averaged over 49 yards per punt in his college career. Pat O'Donnell's college, or NFL career average is under 45. That's, that's a clear difference maker. Uh, I like man there. And then also there have been lots of stats that have uh, linked kickers that when they have Pat O'Donnell as their holder, they significantly underperform their career average. That includes people like Robbie Gold. At first, I thought maybe it was because kicking at Soldier Field so hard, but also their their percent, not only from field goals, but also uh, extra points dropped even when you only consider away games. So hmm. I don't know anything about the art of holding a, a kick, but Pat O'Donnell's doing something wrong. So I'm I'm looking to replace him this year. Yeah, it's interesting you bring that up. I, I didn't think about uh, Pat O'Donnell as a holder and how that might have, you know, be impacting our kickers here. Maybe that's why uh, we've been cursed over the last few years. It's the, it's the holder's fault the entire time, not the kicker's fault. Maybe we should be having, maybe we should be having like 10 holders come into camp next year and uh, let them battle it out or something like that. Well, I'm not willing to let the kickers off the hook. Um, <laughs> But I do think it's kind of the perfect miss of uh, we have a rabid fan base who we're kind of always on the cusp of success, but we just haven't quite been able to get there. 
So that's extremely high pressure. Also, kicking in Soldier Field, I think, is the hardest stadium to kick in. Yeah. So that's just a that's a recipe for disaster. So I mix in maybe a questionable holder and Pat O'Donnell, and that's some that's some cause for concern. Yeah, and like you said, I, I have no idea how to evaluate whether you know O'Donnell's a bad or good holder or not. I mean, there's only the, the data, like we mentioned, that kind of points to that case. But I mean, man, I mean, I guess if you, if L. Davis was still around, um, you know, maybe he would pick Braden Mann and the first round of the NFL draft like he did way back with Ray Guy or with uh, Janikowski uh, about 20 years ago or so as a kicker. Um, so maybe that would be a possibility, but he's got a big leg. I mean, uh, that would be something that would really help the Bears, especially with their, you know, lack of an offense, to be quite frank. And, you know, winning the position battle is definitely a must, especially with, uh, you know, you don't want to leave your defense out to dry too many times. Um but I think Antonio Gandy-Golden, he's a guy that I really like as a prospect. He's one of those bigger wide receivers. And I like the way that he's kind of like an Allen Robinson and that he's very quick off his release, off his footwork, with the way he sets up defenders off of that. So, uh, you know, it's a scary name bringing up Laquan Treadwell. But as a six-round pick compared to a first-round pick, you know, I can live with the Laquan Treadwell comparisons because, you know, it's not as bad as a uh, bust if he ends up whiffing at that point with a similar physical profile. Um, but for my sixth round pick, you know, I've already gone with wide receiver and in terms of wide receivers that were available, you know, Antonio Gandy golden was available for me in the sixth round. Uh, like I already said before, you know, I just did not see the need there to go and double dip at that position. Uh, Reggie Floyd safety out of Virginia tech. He was a guy that was available for me as a safety. Uh, he's a, Kind of a free safety, strong safety linebacker hybrid. Uh, he played, you know, all over the place for Virginia Virginia Tech's defense over the past couple of years. He's a guy that's six feet tall, 220 pounds, really is a really fast guy in the back end of the defense, not afraid to come up and hit you. But his instincts aren't quite as there, which is why he was probably going to be a lower for some teams and fall back to this range. You know, I think personally Reggie Floyd would be a great comparison to an Adrian Amos when he was coming out of Penn State. You know, two bigger, fast safeties who can really come up and deliver a big blow in the box but I decided to go with maybe the most controversial controversial position on this team besides quarterback which was tight end Harrison Bryant out of FAU uh, he's a pure receiving tight end 6'5 240 pounds so not the biggest guy in the world so he'll be more of that fit of the U tight end to replace Trey Burton at some point uh, he had 65 receptions a thousand yards last season and seven touchdowns so you know he's not much of a blocker whatsoever but you know, he's very athletic, and he's a guy that would oftentimes split out wide and in the slot instead of lining up in line as a blocker. So he's a guy that you can line up all over the field. He can do a variety of different things for you. Uh, he's impactful over the middle of the field. He can stretch the field vertically in the seam, which I really like about his game. He had a very strong week at the Senior Bowl as well. So he's a guy that may raise up some draft boards for some teams, but um, – I think in the sixth round, he would be a great add to this tight end room that is probably going to see, you know, an addition in free agency as well with some of the guys that are going to be entering this free agency, free agency class. So uh, I think he would bring a lot more competition to that group and push a guy like Adam Shaheen off the roster potentially uh, with a strong training camp. Yeah, no, I, I like that pick there. I like taking a, a more of an athletic project tight end because, Honestly, in my opinion, all drafted tight ends are project tight ends. So take one in the six with high upside like Harrison Bryant and hope he pans out. 
Uh, I saw another guy you were looking at was uh, Lamar Jackson, uh, mm-hmm. cornerback, not the quarterback. We'd all love the quarterback. <laughs> but um, oh, yeah. I originally didn't have him on my draft boards as a, one of the cornerbacks to, to look at just because when I was watching Nebraska, he would he was playing. He was great in coverage. He was an impressive corner, but he just looked like he was slow. But as the the off season's gone on in the Senior Bowl, he looked very fast in practice. So I was wondering if maybe that was uh, the scheme at Nebraska or what was going on. Maybe he wasn't all the way healthy, but he looked a lot quicker than he did during the year, and I think that's really helpful to his draft stock. Yeah, I think Jackson is a guy that would be perfect in that kind of Seattle scheme, that cover three scheme where he can get up around the line of scrimmage and then, you know, not really rely on being on an island all the time and have that safety in the back end of the defense to kind of help him out in case he does get beat because, you know, even though he looked faster at the senior bowl, you know, the tape doesn't really lie. He's not the fastest or quickest cornerback in the world out there. Uh, so, you know, he's he'll be actually a pretty good fit for the Bears, I think, as well because they kind of run similar – uh, cover three schemes and cover four schemes as well to what the Seattle does. Um, but, you know, he's a guy that was also available for me moving on to the other six round pick that the bears had at 180. He was available for me there as well. Uh, interestingly enough, all the guys I just mentioned, Reggie Floyd and Daniel Gandy golden, all those guys were available once again for me. And I was considering uh, taking Reggie Floyd with this pick because the bears do need a safety, especially a strong safety that can be physical in, in the box um, but I decided to go with another offensive player with this one, Darius Anderson, running back out of TCU. So double dipping at TCU for this one, getting some of the guys from their offense there. And Anderson is a guy that uh, I think would be a very good compliment to David Montgomery in, able, in order to uh, spell him at times because David Montgomery, while you know I'd love to give him 20 carries a game, even though Matt Nagy seems determined not to do that at times, um, you know, in those games where Montgomery is getting a lot of carries, I think Anderson would be very good to kind of be a change of pace type of back for this offense. He was a guy that had over 800 rushing yards this past year, five and a half yards per carry, six touchdowns as well. And he was nicknamed Jet at TCU for his breakaway speed. And that's kind of the selling point of his game. Um, He has a lot of speed. When he gets into the second level of the defense, he can kind of shoot all the way to the end zone. And he's very hard to catch up to once he gets to that second level. And to combine to combine that, he's got you know he's at 5'11", 212 pounds. He's got a very good solid frame, and he runs very hard. He has a lot of power when he hits the hole, and he kind of reminds me in many ways to Aaron Jones when he was coming out of college, the running back now for the Green Bay Packers, who just had you know a billion touchdowns this past year. I think Darius Anderson has very similar traits to Jones. Both the guys are very good in those zone running scheme. Both are very fast in the open field, and both aren't afraid to lower their shoulder pads and get physical in the hole and break a few tackles while they're at it. So I think he would be a guy that would be a good fit in this offense. He has some upside as a receiver as well. He showed that at the senior bowl. He had a big touchdown reception in that game um, on a little wheel route that he was going there. He got a caught a ball from Shea Patterson. That was actually thrown well for once, um, which is kind of a, a rare mm-hmm. thing for Patterson. Um, but, you know, I think, I think, I think Darius Anderson would be a very good fit for this offense. And while, Running back isn't necessarily a need for the Bears in the sixth round. Those are kind of the sweet spots if you can add a dynamic playmaker at running back. Yeah, um, in the sixth round, you just love to have someone who has some upside, but they can also be a depth contributor. 
and most of all contribute on special teams and mm-hmm. when you have the nickname jet i assume you can contribute on special teams <laughs> yeah especially in the returning game as well i mean uh if he can be a punt returner or kick returner or something like that uh that would be another thing that he can add to his versatility as a player in that regard moving on into the seventh round they have two draft picks in the seventh round uh for the bears um Who's available for you there, and who's you end up going with? Um, well, actually, I still have my uh, my second six. Oh, yeah, uh, so, my bad. Uh, pick no worries. Uh, the pick number one eighty. It's only it's only four picks later, so I have some of the similar guys on there. I have Lavert Hill again, cornerback out of Michigan. He's the third. This is the third straight time his name's been on the board for me, but I'm gonna pass up on it again. Uh, A.J. Green, he's a big – I guess he's 6'1", 6'2", so he's not oversized, but he's still big for a corner, and he's very talented out of Oklahoma State. But I don't think he could play the slot corner at all. He's more of a outside corner, so I think with the depth we have at that position now, it's best to pass on him there. So I'm going back to my guy, uh, Braden Mann. He's still available. Couldn't pass on him twice. I think he's a difference maker, as you said. The Bears punt, adding five yards of punt. Punt six times a game. That's 30 yards of field position. And also, cutting Pat O'Donnell saves you over a million dollars in cap space we can use otherwise. So I think that's an asset to the team in the sixth round, and I'll take what I can get there. Yeah, any punter, you know, wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. I also see that Lavert Hill is still available for you, your guy there. So. Um, interesting yeah, that, how that kind of worked out there for you. Yeah, and then going down to pick number 203, uh, I have my three options again. I do best player available, favorite, and fit. I have Lavert Hill for all three of them, so I'm taking them. Uh, I was really close to taking him at pick number 145. I almost pulled the trigger. Uh, he's available almost 60 picks later at uh, 203. So I guess it's good that I'm not a general manager because <laughs> would have been on him too early, but I feel like taking him in this round is an absolute steal. I'd be more than comfortable taking him even with that uh, fourth round comp pick when we get that. But I think he ends up rising boards up a little bit once he runs his 40 and ends up as a fifth round pick, but I'd love to take him in the sixth. Yeah, it's crazy how it works. I feel like you've been like chomping at the bit to pick him pretty much ever since day three came along in this mock draft here. Um, yeah, but Vert Hill, he's a guy that, you know, he's quick. He's a more of a slot cornerback, which isn't the biggest need for the Bears. But, you know, earlier in the draft, you got a guy like an A.J. Terrell, who's more of a perimeter corner, uh, so to speak. While you have a guy like Levert Hill, you can bring him in to compete with a guy like Duke Shelley for that backup slot corner position and maybe even potentially take over Buster's screen spot when screen eventually his contract runs out or uh, he either loses his spot due to poor play or something like that. And I also decided to go with cornerback with this pick as well in the seventh round. Um, there were some other players I considered here at other positions. Steven Montez at quarterback, although I'm not you know, a huge fan on him uh, per se, but you know they need to get a project quarterback quarterback in there at some point. So Montez might've been an option for me. Uh, Tyre Phillips, offensive guard from Mississippi state. He played left tackle for them, but his physical profile fits more to guard. He's a guy that's six, five 
340 pounds. So this guy's a big dude. Um, and he would be someone that would add some strength and power to this running game, which the Bears desperately need. And Levert Hill, he was also available. And I was considering picking him, but I decided to go in another direction at quarterback because unlike uh, your mock draft where you got A.J. Terrell in the second round, I have not picked a perimeter cornerback just yet. And that's what I'm doing with this pick, going with Jerron Bryant, cornerback out of Fresno State. Uh, Bryant's got it at 6'1", 185 pounds. So he's a little bit on the slender side right now. But if he bulks up, I think he could easily get to about 195, 200 easily with uh, an NFL training room in that weight room over there. Uh, he's a guy that has very good size and length for the position. So he's kind of an ideal fit as a Prince of Mucamara replacement, which I'm assuming Mucamara is going to get cut as a cap casualty this offseason. I think he would add a lot of competition out there with Kevin Tolliver and the recently signed Trey Robertson, who we you know, just mentioned earlier before in this podcast episode. Uh, Robertson is a guy that I haven't seen too much of. He got a big contract for a CFL player coming to the NFL, though, which means that uh, the Bears are pretty high on him, and maybe he can take that starting spot. But I wouldn't count on that just yet. I would bring in as much competition as possible because um, that cornerback spot, they're going to need some type of uh, replacement level of play there um, next to Kyle Fuller on the other side. Um, because, you know, Luke Camara, even though he didn't have his best year, you know, he's still a very solid veteran cornerback, and you're going to have to replace that production somehow. And speaking of production, when I look at Bryant here and what he did in college, he had over 26 pass deflections in his career, six interceptions in three years as a starter. Most of those came in uh, his first year as a starter where he had four interceptions. Um, but he's a guy that even though he's tall and lengthy, he's an average athlete, which is why he would drop to the seventh round in this case. Doesn't have really great movement skills, so he wouldn't be a very good fit in the slot where you kind of need to have that quick twitch athleticism and hip fluidity to be able to keep up with those uh, smaller, shiftier wide receivers. But he has very good ball skills as well, plays the ball very well, gets to the ball at, at its highest point. And interestingly enough, he had four defensive touchdowns during his career at Fresno State. So he's got that playmaking ability as well. And we've kind of seen in the past with Eddie Jackson how having a guy that can not only get interceptions but get yards and touchdowns after getting those turnovers, it can change a game. And that's, that was something that the Bears were missing this past year, um, you know, mostly because they just didn't have that pass rush that – uh, was so dominant in 2018, just wasn't there as much in 2019. But having guys in the back end of the defense that can capitalize on quarterbacks' mistakes and take them all to the house, uh, that's something I think would be a great add for the Bears' defense if they can get that in the seventh round with a guy like Bryant. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And he was – we were kind of reversed here where he was the guy I was looking at, but due to the fact that I had picked an outside corner earlier mm – -hmm. I wasn't considering him much like you liked Levert Hill, but you needed to address the, the primary need in the outside corner. Yeah, and then uh, moving on to the last pick in the seventh round, the last pick for the Bears in this mock draft at the 210th selection. I decided to go with quarterback here. Um, you know, there were a couple more options here. Steven Montez was once again on my board, but I decided to – Pass him up here because I just don't like his upside. Uh, Michael Divinity Jr., an edge player out of LSU, is also on the board. And Shaheem Carter, a safety from Alabama, were also on the board. So I was considering those guys maybe going with a defensive player from a SEC big program. But ultimately, I like the upside of Cole McDonald, quarterback out of Hawaii. And, you know, this is a pick that is just based on upside alone. 
Um, you know, the Bears, they need to add another young developmental quarterback, assuming that they do add a veteran in the offseason during free agency or either through trade for a guy like Cam Newton, Andy Dalton, Derek Carr, uh, whatever route they decide to go. They're probably probably going to bring in a veteran quarterback at some point, but they need someone on the practice squad or as that third quarterback that has enough upside to where if they spend a year on the bench developing, maybe they can be a high-profile backup for them or maybe even fill in as a starter at some point um, with the right development. And McDonald has a lot of tools that I like as a player um, for as raw that he is. And he's a very raw player, but the tools that he has, he's got very good size at 6'4", 220 pounds. He's got a good arm. He can make all the throws. And he's, um, he's an above-average athlete as well. He's a guy that, you know, while I wouldn't really be designing – a running game around him like a Lamar Jackson in Baltimore necessarily, but uh, he can do a couple of RPO things for you. He can run and scramble for you a little bit when the play breaks down, although he's not uh, the most shifty athlete in the world, doesn't really have the greatest instincts for that in the world. But when you look at what he did this past season, he completed 64% of his passes, over 4,000 yards passing, 8.1 yards per attempt, 33 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. And, you know, the, the things that Cole McDonald struggles with you know, in terms of recognizing defense, he has a very long throwing motion, which isn't going to work in the NFL because you need to have a quick, concise throwing motion to get the ball out because by the time you make your decision in the NFL with a long throwing motion, by the time the ball is out of your hand, the defensive back is already going to be gaining on that, on that ball by the time the ball is out of your hand. So having that quick, this quick arm and a quick uh, release is something that's very important for me. Um, and in terms of his accuracy, he can be a little bit hit or miss. You know, he's a guy that will make several special throws a game, um, but he's also a guy that has a lot of bad misses, uh, similar to a guy like Mitchell Trubisky, who, you know, you'll have a couple plays throughout the course of a game where you're like, wow, so that's why the Bears drafted him um, at number two overall. And then he'll have some egregious misses where he's got a guy running wide open down the field and he just overthrows the guy by like five or ten yards. And that's kind of what we see with McDonald here. But in the seventh round, I mean, I would take that type of upside um, and, and that type of project quarterback to any day of the week. And he would just add another arm in the quarterback room to hopefully develop into something under the tutelage of Nagy in this offense. Yeah, no, I think uh, taking a project quarterback, um, that's something that would be helpful to us. Personally, I I didn't love any of the later round project quarterbacks. I, that was something I went into the draft with in mind, but no one really jumped out at me. So I ended up kind of going the alternate route that you have for uh, these seventh round picks. You kind of either draft someone for upside and hope that after sitting a couple of years, they become a, a starter or a contributor, or you can do the play it safe, get someone who was extremely successful in college, but doesn't quite have the tools to be an NFL player of the same caliber. And so two of the guys that fit that mold for me are uh, Rodrigo Blankenship, a uh, kicker from Georgia. I know I'm a kicker and a punter. It's kind of lame. Uh, <laughs> but the Bears already met with him, actually. So that's a good sign that just shows that we are entertaining, bringing in significant competition for Eddie Pinheiro. Uh, I talked a lot about Rodrigo. Uh, you don't know who I'm talking about. It's the dude with the goggles on Georgia. So that'll probably help uh, spur your memory a little bit. But I, he's arguably the best kicker in SEC history. And he's definitely the best kicker in SEC history if you only count statistics. So that's something that is intriguing to bring in. Um, another guy I looked at was uh, my second Badger, 
He's uh, Chris Orr. He's undersized. Uh, he's not that athletic, so he's he's undervalued. But he was a top 10 defensive player in all the Big Ten. He's a great tackler. I think he could fill in at uh, Nick Kwiatkowski's old row as just a thumper back up inside linebacker. But last year he was third in the Big Ten in sacks. That's ahead of first-round prospects, A.J. Epinesa and Gross Matos. So mm-hmm. that's – that's well. It's not the sexiest pick because it's a it's a sixth year senior because he redshirted and he had a medical redshirt, but the dude can play. He can play. He can flat out play, and that's who I took with my pick number two hundred and ten. Another guy I looked at was uh, Geno Stone out of Iowa. He's an underclassman. I was absolutely shocked when I saw that he declared because usually I think you should only declare ahead of time if you're projected going rounds one two three one two or three um but he made the decision and now he's sitting here at pick number 210 for me uh, he's the best defensive back in iowa and i don't think that's arguable for me uh he's just a hard-hitting safety he'd be a great box safety safety in the old uh, adrian amos role rather than the haha clinton dicks role and he just seems to be in the right spots and he hits really hard so I think he'd be a developmental prospect and a solid special teams player for us. Yeah, touching on Stone there, I mean, if you can add a quality special teams guy in the seventh round, you know, you can take that any day of the week because getting guys that aren't afraid to hit with some type of athletic ability, uh, that's perfect for special teams. And, you know, those – I think you're being a little bit harsh on special teams here. You know, that's an important part of the game too. You know, I was kind of hoping you would take a guy like Blankenship um, you know, burn the entire kicking operation to the to the ground. You're already bringing in a new holder, bringing in a new kicker, and kind of start from scratch. You know why not? But um, I like the Chris Orr selection. Uh, you know the the Bears have you know quite a few decisions to make at linebacker in this upcoming offseason. You know, do they keep Trevathan? Do they pay Kwiatkowski? Uh, what's the status of Kevin Pierre Lewis? And you know, do they have enough confidence in a guy like Iggy? You know, in the back, in that linebacker role, who was kind of you know stuck on the bench this past year, not even on special teams a lot. Um, do they have confidence in his development to be maybe fill in for those guys as their backup linebacker at, at some point? You know, it's definitely a big question mark for this team. And you know, like you said, you can either go with the high prospect, high uh, potential, high upside guy in the seventh round, or you can go with the guy that you know will contribute in some way, uh, who is productive in college and will bring good character, most importantly, to the locker room, and a guy who's not afraid to kind of have a reduced role and be a special teams guy um, to start his NFL career because that's how, you know, these guys in the sixth and seventh round, that's how these guys make NFL rosters is by contributing on special teams and making an impact in that department. Yeah, I mean, I think Chris Ory's a guy who I don't think he'd ever start in the NFL, but I think he would sit on most almost every team's 53-man roster because he would just be a great uh, player to come in and spell the linebackers on a few downs, maybe when you need to – you're planning to stop the run. Or also he'd be a guy where if the team isn't scheming to expose him in uh, pass coverage, because that's definitely the weakness in his game, say uh, Roquan Smith goes down with an injury again, he's a guy who, when he filled in, similar to what Nick Kwiatkowski did, when the games where he didn't make the start but played a majority of the game, he looked awesome because the coach wasn't ahead of time able to 
game plan to expose their pass protection. Instead, the player was just able to play to their strengths. And I think that's uh, Chris Orr and Kukowski are very similar in that regard to me. Yeah, Kukowski made a great impact as a pass rusher this year, which is something that I wasn't expecting going into the year. But um, that's definitely something if Chris Orr could add that, should he be uh, selected by the Bears in the seventh round or sixth round or wherever he ends up falling on draft day, uh, that would be a great asset to the Bears' defense. So, in total, I think we should sum up both of our drafts here. I'll start with you. So, who were all the guys that you selected in this draft and kind of just name them off, starting with your second-round pick and going to the seventh round, just so we can uh, kind of refresh that before ending this episode here? Yeah. Uh, my first second, I took uh, cornerback uh, A.J. Terrell out of Clemson. My next second, I took uh, Tyler Biotish, center out of Wisconsin. My next pick, I took uh, my favorite tight end, Adam Troutman, out of Dayton. A nice little project there. Uh, then I took another small school upside receiver, uh, wide receiver Antonio Gandy-Golden out of Liberty. Pick number 180, I got my, uh, my punter. I got my special teams change, uh, Braden Mann out of A&M. Then I got another one of my draft crushes, uh, Lavert Hill. Uh, he's a slot corner from Michigan and then finished with my second Badger, Chris Orr, inside linebacker, Wisconsin. I like that all. Yeah. And, and for me, I got Jalen Rager, wide receiver at TCU in the second round, followed up by Joshua Uche, outside linebacker, Michigan, pass rushing special, specialist, uh, could add some juice to the pass rush for the Bears in the fifth round. Hakeem Davis-Geither, you, you mentioned your draft crush and Troutman. This is my draft crush. He would add some speed and physicality and versatility to the linebacking core for the Bears and even play safety at times if they need him to. In the sixth round, Harrison Bryant, tight end. That's where I decided to go with the tight end there out of FAU. Also got Darius Anderson, running back out of TCU. Get some more speed and explosiveness, explosiveness to the offense for the Bears. And then in the seventh round, you know, didn't really go with a special teams mindset with this one. I was looking for guys that could potentially compete for a backup or starting role. But I like Jaron Bryant, quarterback out of Fresno State, and Cole McDonald as a project quarterback. And, you know, I got to say, I think both of these would be pretty solid haul for the Bears. When I look at your mock draft, I like the addition of an offensive lineman. That's, that was something that I was looking for in this draft, but I just wasn't able to get in terms of how the board kind of fell for me. Um, so I like the addition of Biotish in the second round. He would be an instant starter, I think, for the Bears right there, which is something that – uh, the Bears could definitely use because they didn't really get a lot of impact from last year's draft just, uh, you know, based off of the way that they didn't have premium picks in that one. Uh, so that would be a good draft where you get two uh, day one starters in Terrell and Biotish and then some guys with potential, guys like Troutman, who I think we both love as a prospect. He would be an absolute steal in the fifth round there. Yeah, no, and – it was kind of funny because I was going into my draft. Uh, I was hoping to get two offensive linemen. And listening to yours, I agreed pick for pick with you. But then I didn't even notice that you didn't get uh, offensive linemen. So it's just funny how you go in with needs and you want certain positions. But if that's not the way the draft rolls out with you, you just got to be happy with getting the best players rather than mm -hmm. reaching for uh, a position that isn't really a fit there. Yeah, and I think that's something that Ryan Pace has generally done a pretty good job of. There have been at times where I feel like he's reached for need um, at certain times. I look at a, a guy like Leonard Floyd in the past, who I think they 
you know, looking back there in hindsight was kind of a reach at that time, you know, because they needed to get an outside linebacker to play that three, four edge role for them. Um, but in general, I think Pace has been a guy that has stuck by that best player available mantra. And based off the way that he handles free agency, I think, you know, I went into this mantra thinking that a lot of these needs for the Bears in terms of right guard, tight end, safety, a lot of these needs that we're kind of looking at in this offseason would be addressed in some shape or form in free agency or through trade with a veteran. So um, that's kind of how I went about it, trying to get the best players available, bring them in and see, um, you know, how that would add and kind of help out this Bears team that you know, needs to get, you know, needs to go on a playoff run in 2020. It's a, it's a big year for the Bears uh, next season. So I think, um, you know, going with that mindset was kind of where I was at for this mock draft. Yeah, no, that was great. And it was a lot of fun putting these together. And I think that both of these, if it was, if it was uh, paired together within a successful off season, then, or a successful free agency that the bears would be primed to make a postseason run. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so with that, we conclude our time here. It was a lot of fun putting together these mock drafts. If you want to give us your thoughts on our selections, uh, you can post your thoughts in the comment section below uh, for this episode on the bear report website, or maybe give us a follow on Twitter. Uh, thank you for tuning in with us, Bears fans and NFL draft enthusiasts alike. We look forward to more NFL draft content and discussion coming up in the future here at Picks for Pace. Yeah, thanks for tuning in, everyone. Talk to you next week. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Have you heard about the 2018 study that showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? No? Well, now you have. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, the company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. I remember staring at my prenatal vitamins and finding all these things I was trying to avoid. High amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and unnecessary ingredients. So... At four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual because I believe that all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. I'm so proud of our prenatal vitamin. The ingredients are 100% traceable. It's third-party tested for microbes and heavy metals and recently received the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. You see, we trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. But don't just take my word for it. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash prenatal.